Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. Delighted to be talking with uh, an author who primarily works in picture books. Picture books. I'm a big fan of picture books and what picture books can do. And also uh, a fan of the messages and stories that this person shares. And, and the person that I'm talking to, I should just go ahead and say their name. It is uh, Tracy Sorrell. Tracy, thank you so much for jumping on and joining me for a talk. Well, I appreciate the invitation. My pleasure. Absolutely. My pleasure. I'm going to name some titles. Uh, folks that are watching the video version of this can, of course, see that they're arranged behind you as well. But we are still here. I see that one up there. One of mm -hmm. my favorites. I believe that's the one that has, um, or no, it's We're Grateful that has the the glossary that is so lovely. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They both have uh, glossaries, but yeah. Um, oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. We Are Still Here also has like a policy timeline and uh, yeah, it's a little more involved back matter. It's, it's for upper elementary. And we are still here is like a true picture book age starting, you know, um, younger and, but for all ages. Lots of, lots of wonderful story there and lots of wonderful back matter. We have classified that's up there. I see classified. That's part mm -hmm. of the she persists series, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Wilma Mankiller. That's, uh, the that's right. That's right. In the corner. That's yeah. right. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah, right I've actually there. got, uh, um, the Spanish version of We Are Grateful and Classified that our, the publishers have put out this year. And that's super excited, as well as a middle grade book that I um, finished for my friend who passed away from cancer, uh, Indian No More. That will also be out in Spanish this year. And that's um, Classificado right there on the. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I just got the Spanish version and uh, Estamos Agradecidos for We Are mm. Grateful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's exciting. And now there's one other one, Contenders. That's the one that I wanted to make sure to mention. Yes. Oh, yeah, and it's yes. right above your head right there. Yeah. Yes, the baseball players. Yeah, that came out in uh, the spring. And, and so there's there's a thread through your work, and we'll talk about the um, sort of the inspiration and your ways of crafting and all of those things. But I do want to point out that you're highlighting an area of literature that there really just is not enough of. There just yes. there are not enough books from Native and Indigenous authors um, that tell stories uh, of people who might represent those communities. And so yes. I very much appreciate that. I, I was really struck by the lack of work that there is and, and the lack of titles that are available. When I was working on a chapter last year uh, about comics and graphic novels, and mm. trying to find authors and artists who authentically represent stories was quite the challenge. It was quite the challenge. There, there's mm -hmm. a lot out there that's disparaging, but but not mm -hmm. as much that's authentic. So I appreciate mm -hmm. that about your work as well. Yeah. Yeah, I have um, maybe a quarter of a shelf <laughs> mm -hmm. that would be comics and graphic um representations, you know, fiction or nonfiction by um, Native uh, writers and illustrators. And uh, it is definitely an area where we need a lot more representation, for sure. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and classified almost, it, it gets to kind of a panel 
graphic novel kind of quality. Mm -hmm. I think that it, that makes it one of my favorites, I think, for that reason. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, I mean, you've got um, Natasha Donovan, who has done a lot of, you know, comics work. So that book has uh, a wonderful look for its time period that it represents, you know, with, with Mary Golder Ross's life in the forties and fifties, but then also just, you know, because that's kind of the work that she's done. And similarly with contenders that just came out, the baseball story, you know, Aragon star has mm -hmm. also done a ton of comics work. And so her use of panels um, to break up the things, the same with um, at the mountain's base, which is a picture book, you know, done by a comics graphics, artist with Shoyo Albitre. She uses um, double page spreads very sparingly and uh -huh. uses uh -huh. panels to break up what is just a 111 word poem. And I remember thinking at the time after I sold it, I was like, I don't know how this is going to be illustrated. Now I recognize there are picture books that are way shorter than 111 words, but for me, it just seemed like I was just, I could not wrap my head around how it was going to work. And then, um, the publisher said, you know, we found this um, native comics graphics artist that we uh, want you to take a look at their stuff. And I thought to myself, what? What for a picture book? You know, I just, I couldn't, I see. And then when I saw her sketches, I said, oh my gosh, who else could have done this? You know? Yeah. And it was the same with contenders. Like who else could have done that baseball story and done it the justice that Aragon did? I don't know that anyone else could have because she's just as big a baseball fan as I am. Like both of our mothers, you know, gave us that love of the game early. And so she spends hours drawing baseball players when she's watching the Dodgers. So she's so good at it. And um, yeah, so I feel I've been very fortunate to be paired with such wonderful um, creators for every work that um, I've done. It's just, it's just been such a gift. And I love having them as, as co-creators. Yeah. They just bring so much more to the story. I mean, they're telling more than half of the story every time. And I'm just in awe when I see their uh, art. And the results are, are really beautiful. Really beautiful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Breathtaking. Every time. Yeah. Every time. I just got um, the art for a book that's coming in spring 2024 called Being Home. Uh, mm -hmm. that I'm doing with Michaela Goad, who's, you know, the Caldecott medalist, won a Caldecott honor this year. Ah, oh, so beautiful. So beautiful. I'm super excited to um, have everyone just see what she's, what she's created. It's gorgeous. Now, do you so get detailed. To, sorry. <laughs> do you get to see usually um, some creation as you go, as you're collaborating or are there moments where you, you get the book and you go, Oh, oh my goodness. That's yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm doing that kind of all along. So, I mean, certainly, um, you know, I had talked to her back in um, 2019 at ALA and I said, I have this manuscript and uh, I'd love to do something with you. I think you would be great for it. Um, and so, you know, and this is before she's won the Caldecott or anything like that. And I said, so can I put my name forward and your name forward to my publisher as someone for them to consider? Because I know that, you know, they've got a deep well of people that they, you know, look at and, and will consider. And she was like, sure. Uh -huh. So um, she, you know, read the manuscript, loved it, signed on. And, and then, you know, just her career has <laughs> gone off the chart. So we're finally able to now get this book out. And um, 
man, I was, when I first saw the sketches, I was just like, oh my gosh, uh, very, very rough sketches. And then a little bit more refined. And then now I've been seeing the color. Oh, it's so gorgeous. It's just so beautiful. So yeah. Looking it's, forward to it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And love to hear about collaborations and uh, I've always thought of conferences as great spaces to meet on the academic side of the equation, but mm -hmm. uh, great to hear about creators talking with one another and yeah. uh, meeting that way as well. Yeah. Bookmaking is a team sport. I mean, you know, there's not, I'm not doing anything in isolation. The number of people that I work with and talk to before I ever give a manuscript to an editor is impressive, I would say, <laughs> you know, just because there's a lot, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, there's just a lot that goes into, you know, um, I mean, certainly obviously people reading and giving, you know, critiquing your work, but just um, checking in with people about different things that you want to write about and making sure that you're accurately representing those things. Um, and that could be around language, it could be around culture, it could be around historical facts, whatever it is. Um, and I'm always so grateful that there are so many intelligent people that I can <laughs> reach out to and provide that help because we can't all know everything and, we, and we're not supposed to, you know. And then, of course, once the editor's involved, then there's a whole other team of people, right, that I'm, that I'm interacting with. And so um, I always think by the time it gets to the shelves, like it's truly been this miraculous process that's occurred, you know, because yeah. it, has, it has taken a long time to give um, birth to that story and, and have it be something that oftentimes is very different than what maybe my initial idea was, you know? Um, but man, it's a million times better. You know, it's a million times better with all those people, um, putting their, uh, their input, you know, their heart, their, their wisdom into, uh, the story. And so it's almost not fair to have my name on the cover, you know, because it should be everyone, um, together. So I don't, I don't take that lightly. For sure. And I'm sure there are, there are illustrators, artists out there that appreciate hearing that because I know sometimes that's seen as the secondary position or. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's so, um, it's such a horrible way to look at it because yeah. you discredit the fact that they are carrying well over half of the story every time in a picture book, you know? And so one of the exercises when I visit with students is I said, you know, I want you to type out the text from the picture book and print it out and just see it in the black and white on the page and, and read through what, you know, myself or another author has done. I said, then I want you to open the book mm. and see for that line of text or a couple of lines of text, what, how has that been represented on the page? And I said, there's so much more that you are getting from that story because of that art. I said, now, you know, part of my job is to woo the illustrator and to make the text so that it gets in their head and they can't let it go. And they say, yeah, I want to, I want to illustrate this because they know it's this launching pad, right? And they can take and elevate that story to levels that I cannot just with words, right? Because then it gets too bogged down and too explaining, you know, um, you want it to them to, to launch off the page and just really, um, have it be a feast for your eyes, you know, of all the things that you're getting. And so, you know, I often think their name should be first, 
<laughs> you know, because they are doing much more of, um, like I say, the heavy lifting. And um, similarly for like cover artists, I think their their name should be on the cover of, um, you know, I realize there's some that are created or they're just photos or whatever. But when you have someone illustrating a cover, I mean, we all know, like if the cover doesn't grab you, you're not going to pick it up, uh -huh. you know? True. So it's that first thing that will draw them. I'm not saying that someone won't just pick up a book because it's by their favorite author, but they may be less excited about it if it doesn't have an engaging cover, right? I mean, I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, what happened here? You know, they've had these great covers and then this one kind of, you know, so I'm, I'm always um, so grateful to them, you know, because I don't have visual artistic ability that way. So there's not a possibility of me ever illustrating any books. <laughs> uh, it's always interesting too, to think about what are the words that are part of the page that inspired that creation and to think about mm -hmm. like, what was the spark? And then, I mean, you know, it's a whole process of going and finding and thinking and meditating and reworking and all of those things that go into yes. an illustration to pair up or to extend. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is definitely a dynamic, um, magical process, you know, and um, to hear them talk about it. I mean, everyone kind of has their own thing, but the main thing they say is that, you know, the words touch them deeply. There's something about that story that immediately starts making their brain race. And they are just thinking about how, you know, this is happening. What can they um, do here? And, you know, if they find lots of room to, to add and do, um, it's very freeing for them because they can bring their storytelling, you know, abilities to the page instead of, being dictated to as to what is going to appear on the page, you know, which I can never do because I don't see what they see. When I write, I'm seeing a movie in my head. You know, I never see like visual um, art like that, like they do. Um, and so for me, I'm really thinking about, you know, how the characters were talking to each other. What was the, the mood, you know, um, what nonverbal communication might've been happening and just kind of all these different things nothing like what they represent on the page. So like I say, to me, it's, it's pure magic. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And um, also just something powerful about the picture book medium uh, really, I mean, I suppose it's aimed at young readers, but there's so many possibilities for readers of any age. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thinking I about this. disturbed from... when people say that oh, yeah. <laughs> personally, because I think, no, I mean, there's so many, Topics you can lead into conversations among, you know, certainly adults who didn't grow up with these, most of them. And so they haven't had that rich exposure. Um, but regardless of what age under their, you know, K through 12, I mean, there's just so many things that you can uh, move into deeper discussions because of what's represented in this piece of art. You know, um, I mean, no other format gives you that. And um, and it can say a lot of things that are very elevated beyond the target, usual, usual target age of four to seven years old. Um, and there are other books where you're like, no, this is most definitely for middle grade, you know, and that's really who it's going to speak to. Um, and it can't speak to four year olds. But the picture book can speak, you know, 
far beyond that target age range. Um, and that's what I really find fascinating about it. Yeah, I don't think people age out of art and, and getting to see that symbolism, that representation that comes through on the page mm -hmm. is just, uh, it's a beautiful thing and it's a powerful thing mm -hmm. at, at any level. Yeah, agreed. So thinking about, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the illustrator and how they respond to your words. Um, what do you hope that readers resonate with visually, verbally from the, from the work that you do? You know, my hope is that um, first and foremost, they see Native people and Native nations in general as um, current, relevant, still here. And mm -hmm. that um, even if when you Google, you know, Native people, um, the pictures are by and large sepia tone from the 1800s, you know, that is not reality. You know, the reality is these folks are your peers at school. They're your neighbors. They are um, other people that are living in this country and around the world. And so that that's really my hope is just to say, you know, this is a part of um, everyday life around you, even if it hasn't been something that maybe you've experienced before. And certainly my my main focus initially is always to make sure that whoever is the subject of the story or the events that are um, talked about in the story, that the full humanity and the full experience of that is represented because so often it's been a shell of mm -hmm. an experience, right? Or a shell of a person. And, uh, you know, you, you read those things and you're like, this is not written for someone to truly understand, or if it's, let's say, a Native child from a particular tribe that may be represented or whatever, to go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I see that. I, I see some similarities there. You know, that maybe not, maybe that's someone else in my tribe's experience, not mine, but, you know, I recognize that. So much of the time, it's like, who is this written for? And you know it's written for this white gaze, right? It's not written, <laughs> I never think yeah. that, like, any of us would read any of these things, you know, that any young people um, are going to pick up these books. And that's absolutely the wrong assumption. It's the same. It's the wrong assumption when teachers, you know, educators assume there are never any native kids. in the class. It's like, that's, that's the wrong, absolute wrong assumption to make um, because we, you know, as native people in this land look from blonde hair, blue eyed to black. So, you know, you just, <laughs> you just don't, you just can't make those assumptions. And so I wouldn't want readers to ever pick up my book and go, oh, this is just, you know, two-dimensional. Um, you know, that would break my heart <laughs> because I would, I would not have done uh, my job. And that, that speaks to another powerful part of what your books do, which is they open up conversation and um, possibilities for children to see representations, experience representations, but then also, sort of share about their own lives if they're comfortable doing so. Mm -hmm. uh, n never with multicultural education, the thing of putting someone on the spot and saying, will you talk about this? Um, but but more so the you have the space to talk about it if it's something that you want to share. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, again, hopefully it's helping the adults <laughs> in the room mm -hmm. Mm -hmm to get beyond, um, you know, the intentional ignorance, right. That has been part, part and parcel of K-12 curriculum. 
if you don't put people in there, you don't write the history that is known and um, has been a part of this country's history. Then you have people that grow up and have no clue about these things. And then they say, well, I don't, I don't know about this. It's like, I know it's, it's, it's intentional that you don't know. And that's why we have trade literature that supplements your K-12 curriculum, which is of course why we have book bans going on because there are people who definitely do not want folks to have access to trade literature because they know that that's what it's do. You know, that's what it does. I mean, it allows, you know, families, teachers, educators, librarians, um, to have access to books that just aren't a part of the curriculum. It's not, um, it's not going to get rewritten anytime soon, you know, in a way that covers, you know, across the country. There are some states that um, certainly, you know, in terms of like native nations and sovereignty and our history and things um, do work cooperatively and have mandates that things will be taught within the state. Um, but that's not, a you know, across the, the nation, it's not a federal um, mandate. And so, there's, there's a lot um, that trade books provide. Similarly with um, LGBTQIAP plus um, books, you know, that, that representation, um, it's not like we haven't had LGBTQIAP plus people, you know, since time immemorial, but um, really where you're gonna find those representations of, um, again, their activism, you know, um, things that they've done, events, et cetera, is going to be in trade literature. And so our kids know their identities. They know their intersections. Um, they know the people that they come from, the neighborhoods they live in, et cetera. And so to act like that doesn't exist or it needs to be outlawed. I mean, again, what are the adults, like what example are the adults setting and what message is that giving to them? It's like <laughs> they need to be able to express their full humanity. There have been a lot of people who have worked really hard to make it that they were not having to grow up like the rest of us did, you right. know? And, and there are other people who are like, well, we didn't have that in school. And I was, I was like, yeah, exactly. So let's try to do better by our kids. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the future yeah. is already here and let's do better. I mean, um, and the 2020 census, you know, even though those are historically undercounts, it showed unequivocally that people under the age of 30 in the United States are majority non-white even more so 18 and under. Well, that's the group that I write for, you know? So again, I'm looking at what in terms of fiction and nonfiction can I, um, what stories can I share that help them to see themselves, to see their peers and, um, you know, just better reflect the world that they live in. Cause that wasn't, the type of literature that I had access to as a kid, it wasn't reflecting the world that I lived, even in my community, um, as multicultural as it was with different tribes, as well as, you know, other people that weren't from tribes. And um, so, you know, we, we can do better. It's the 21st century. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's not power or strength in, in silencing voices or in refusing to have conversations. That, no. that's not what power and strength looks like. So not at all, uh, not at all. I mean, not, not as it would be defined um, by the values of Cherokee people that I have grown up around for sure. Yeah. Um, so one question we haven't talked about before we talk about anything that's, that's upcoming or web spaces or 
uh, anything like that that you'd like to share is how you got started telling the stories that you tell and, and what it was that drew you to authoring. We've sort of um, hinted at it, I think, but not, not really. Yeah, I mean, um, I think one of the first things which I would never have said, oh, this started me on the authoring path because it was a, a long time ago. But I was a first generation college student and um, same, one of the classes same. that I had. Yeah, one of the classes <laughs> that I had was um, I was a Native American studies major, ethnic studies minor um, at UC Berkeley. And one of the classes that I had was people of mixed race descent. And one of the assignments was to do this survey of children's literature and look at the representation of mixed race descent, people and families, communities in children's literature. And I was like, I'm not going to find anything. Well, of course there were, you know, a few books. This is like the early nineties when I'm looking and, uh, but nothing I had ever seen. And, um, and I wasn't, you know, I didn't have little kids around me at the time. I'm on a college campus. And so, um, fast forward, you know, years later and I'm, you know, out and about, and I've of course gone to museums and I've gone to um, bookstores and things. And so then I always look and I would say, Oh, what's in the kids section? You know, what do they have <laughs> that represents native people or people of, you know, other, um, races and ethnicities and backgrounds. And um, so I just kind of started collecting picture books from that. And then um, much later on, I, I get married and I have my son. And so I'm like, oh man, I know the world has changed. I was in school so long ago. And so he starts in preschool and early elementary. And I was like, my God, it has not changed. He's got the same curriculum. It's like the mythical Thanksgiving. People mm -hmm. are dressing up in these like crazy, you know, grocery bag vests and <laughs> the feather, you know, uh, cardboard box things. I was just like, what's going on here? And, you know, there's the paragraph about the Trail of Tears mm -hmm. and Columbus shows up and then the Native people disappear. I'm like, that's it. And I said, in the 21st century, no way, no way is this happening. And of course it was, you know, and it's still happening today in some parts. So that's really what fueled me because my mom is always um, like, if there's a problem and you know how to figure it out, or you feel like you can contribute, then like quit complaining and get on it. Right. And at that time, I mean, I, I didn't major in English. I wasn't, you know, a creative writing major, hadn't done any of that kind of stuff. I couldn't even stand reading in middle school and high school. I hated all the, you know, assigned things, but I knew I had a friend from graduate school and I called and has written for young people and adults. He's a professor. Um, and I said, Hey, if I wanted to write a story for young people, how would I go about that? And so he gave me, you know, great advice, which, I mean, the main thing is like, <laughs> finish the story, whatever you think you want to write, get it done, give it to people for, you know, feedback, et cetera. And so, um, at that time I had, uh, we had moved to Kansas city. So there were a lot of authors and illustrators in that area. Um, some because of, of course, you know, there's a major greeting card company there, you know, that people worked for. Um, but I found some really great mentors. And um, then I was able to start kind of reaching out and connecting to, you know, a few other Native authors. And I'm thrilled to say that, you know, when I first had that thought, which was not even quite 10 years ago, almost though, where we're at now, where there is a, a cadre 
you know, of, of colleagues that um, are from a variety of Native nations across the country. It's it's an exciting time. I didn't know they were also thinking about writing books and kind of preparing those things. So that's really what got me started was just thinking, wait a second, I took this class in the early 90s and here we are, you know, in the 2010s and the curriculum's the same, like what's happening here? You know, mm-hmm. so that that was the impetus for um, really saying, okay, what can I bring to the table? And I write fiction and nonfiction because I love to read fiction and nonfiction. And I have since I was a child. Um, I like to write across a variety of formats. Um, yes, I do have picture books. Um, I also have uh, middle grade chapter books. Um, but I want to do a variety of things, um, and I've written poems for anthologies and a graphic um, script for a nonfiction anthology uh, biography about Tira Frazier, because that's what I like to do, right? I want to challenge myself to have to learn something new and stretch and grow, and I had a wonderful school visit in March. The, this young student, he asked me, he goes, how long do you think you're going to keep writing for? I said, that is an excellent question. Mm -hmm. I said, you know Mm -hmm. what? I said, as long as I'm enjoying it. I said, every time I've done um, a different job, different career, um, I just got to a place where I was like, okay, I think I've learned what I need to learn. I've contributed. I'm not enjoying this as much. I feel like I need a new challenge. I said, so, Mm -hmm. you know, the good thing about writing is that um, every book, there's no formula. Every book is its own journey. And I said, so it really keeps me on my toes and I have to think. And I said, I have to figure out that puzzle because that puzzle is not the same as the one I just finished and turned in and got published. I said, so every single time I get to challenge myself and I get to grow. And um, sometimes I'm working with the same people and sometimes I'm not, you know, I have books published by different publishers. I said, so I still enjoying it right now. And as long as I'm enjoying it, I'll keep doing it. So it. yeah, I thought that was a great question. I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, why, why do something that you don't enjoy? You know, I mean, it, you know, it takes up, right. I mean, earning a living does take up time out of our lives. And I, I would hope that we're all able to enjoy. It, it doesn't need to be your passion, but um, that you do find enjoyment, in it, you know, on, on some level for sure. Yeah, absolutely. A great question and a and a great answer as well. <laughs> um, so as we're as we're coming to our last couple of minutes, any events? Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, a collaboration that's on the way. Any web spaces um, that you want to share about? Any of those pieces sure. that you want to leave sure. listeners with? Um, you can find me always at tracysorrell.com. T R A C I S is in Sam O R E L L. Dot com. Um, it says on there, you can sign up for a quarterly newsletter. It's a little bit longer than quarterly um, <laughs> between newsletters. Um, hopefully I'll get back to quarterly. So I'm not going to junk up your inbox, but I do, you know, share information about books. I also like to do um, book giveaways. So um, not just my books, but many other creators books as well. So you can add books to your library. Maybe you're, if you're a teacher, your classroom library or your school library, your school library, um, or give them to others, but, um, that's, that's one way to certainly reach me. And, um, this fall, uh, in addition to, like I say, I have three Spanish versions out this year. I have, um, a middle grade 
novel in verse that I've co-written with um, Charles Waters. And that'll be out um, September 5th, 2023. Very, very excited about it. Um, there are over 1900 schools and K-12 schools have uh, native themed mascots. And so the book is set in a fictional suburb of Washington, DC with six eighth graders from very diverse backgrounds who really are looking at this issue, you know, in their school district and what they feel about it. Um, the uh, high school students have taken some action. They're having to address it. And so their teacher um, has the class look at it in their honors English class as kind of an oral presentation and writing um, assignment. And so it's that whole journey of, you know, I mean, adults around them, of course, present a variety of viewpoints, but like, what do they think? And mm -hmm. what's their journey to, make sense of that whole issue, you know, and, and I think that's definitely something that young people across the country are doing. And, and they're also looking at the adults around them, you know, to, to see what, what they're thinking is and how they make sense of, of that issue as well. So I'm looking forward to hearing from young people, you know, their thoughts and experiences. Yeah, I, I assume that's mascot right there. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> and cover art, wonderful cover art by um, Nicole uh, Neidhart, who is Danae uh, or oh, Navajo. Yeah, so it's just wonderful. Here's the full cover. Love yeah, the so, verse novel. Love yeah, it. so I'm, I'm just super excited about that. And uh, working on a middle grade nonfiction um book right now about called Riding the Trail, Cherokees Remember the Removal, following the young people um, from the Cherokee Nation each year go and retrace the trail um, on bicycles. So right now, this year's group are currently on the trail and they are um, still in Missouri. They'll be home uh, at the end of this week, but it's over 950 miles that they're riding. And it's just incredible, you know, um, leadership opportunity for them and just learning, you know, where their ancestors were on the trail. You know, there's different routes that were taken and just um, that difficult period in our history and how it's still very much with us today, even though uh, people act like, you know, we all died off after that point. It's like, no, we're all here, um, mm -hmm. you know, now living in uh, what was then Indian territory, what is now the Cherokee Nation Reservation uh, within uh, the Northeast corner of Oklahoma. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that too. That'll be a photo illustrated book and it'll be out in 2025. As the title of the book says, we are still here. We are, we absolutely are. And, uh, and, and certainly um, wanting to do more than just surviving, right? I mean, looking to, to thrive as, as we want everyone around us to be doing, for sure. I'm going to probably misquote the title, but the Bettina Love title, We Want to Do More Than Survive. Yeah, always, 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 right? I mean, I always say there is no one pie. There's no limited pieces of the pie. Right. You know, it, it doesn't exist. Don't, don't buy into the scarcity mentality. The community. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Well, well, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me and such a pleasure to share about your work and always glad to talk with you about books and uh, sharing stories.
Mm, well, no, I appreciate it very much. Thank you for the invitation. And um, I look forward to visiting again. Sounds great. Thank you.